Gideon. I, I love Gideon because, if nothing else, he, he reminds me that it's okay to be ordinary and God can still use you. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of ordinary people around. Take a look in the mirror. We are ordinary. We're just normal people, but God can use us in extraordinary ways. And here's a guy who was completely over his head. We, we find Israel at a time when there's like all the, all the pressure of, of being in the promised land and trying to settle the promised land and all the enemies that they're facing coming upon them. And at this time, a group called the Midianites are attacking. The, the text says they're like a swarm of locusts. They just descend upon this nation. They're chewing up all the food, eating, devouring, killing, maiming. And all the Israelites are hiding in caves and digging holes. And we find a guy named Gideon at the bottom of a wine press, which sounds kind of nice, actually. But at the bottom of a wine press, threshing wheat. That means he's scared to death that somebody's going to find him and find the little bit of grain that he has to make food. And he's just hiding out. Now, in that concept of him, you would think, God's going to use him in a mighty way. He must, be a, he must be this, like, superhero. And if they're going to make a movie of Gideon, this is probably what he's going to look like. <laughs> that was my high school picture graduating. <laughs> uh, no, he, he doesn't look like that at all. I think he'll probably look some more like this. <laughs> you remember, remember Zirkel? That's probably more Gideon. That's really my high school picture now but no he he's just a he's just an ordinary guy if I were a motivational speaker I would say he takes a zero and makes him a hero <laughs> now you know why I'm not a motivational speaker they pay a lot of money for st stupid stuff like that but anyway um, that's what he did with with Gideon he took somebody that was just ordinary and here's what I want you to know there are some of you who are gathered here today with us that feel like you're surrounded by the Midianites. There's stuff devouring you. Maybe your relationships, maybe your marriage, maybe the stress of life, maybe finances. Maybe you're dealing with emotional drops and anxiety, depression. Maybe you're here and everything's going great, but you're just, you feel so all alone and you feel like you're just, Nobody understands you while you're just trying to make life go. And I want you to know that there's not only hope, God has something for you that's going to make a difference in your life. And we're going to see it through Gideon's life. So if you have your Bibles, over in the, in the 11th verse of chapter 6, it starts out with this. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Aberzite, where her, his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. I want you to notice a couple things. This is the angel of the Lord comes in, sits down under an oak in Ophrah. And some of you are going, you mean Oprah? No, Ophrah, which is actually where Oprah got her name. They just had a misspelling, and that's, that was really true. That's where she got her name. And you're going, wow, that's the Bible talks about Oprah? That means, you know, it's like biblical to watch Oprah. It's a good thing. No, it's not. It's not biblical. 
Now, the Bible talks a lot of good things about ESPN. It's good to, to watch ESPN, <laughs> but Oprah, not, not so much. But I, I just want you to notice how, how Gideon, how, how weak he is. It says, all of a sudden, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? Or excuse me, he goes, he goes when, the, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, Gideon, the Lord said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. Gideon's going, who, me? Mighty warrior. And then he starts like any of us would do. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord's with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all our wonders that the Father told us about? It's like, what if, where if, why, how, what? Do you understand what's going on? And then he starts to tell him, let me just tell you, I, I'm, I am like the weakest in my whole family. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. I'm the absolute least. So I'm from Ophrah. That's like saying, I'm from Aho, Gila Ben. I, I live in that space restaurant. Um, my family is the weakest of the whole tribe, the whole, whole city. My family is the absolute worst. And then I'm the weakest in my family. And God says, no, you're a mighty warrior. You're a man of valor, some versions say. I love when God starts to work in our lives. He doesn't heap judgment on us. He doesn't, he doesn't just start shaming us for our missteps and for our brokenness and for our weakness and he comes to us with this idea, if I could just let them see themselves with the same potential that I see them, if they could just see themselves through my eyes of what I can do in them and through them and with them, it's a game changer. And so he comes with encouragement, with affirmation to this little guy Gideon hiding in the wine press, the runt of the family, mighty warrior. I love how Jesus does that with Simon Peter. Simon I'm going to change your name to Rock, to Petros. Simon Peter is no more a rock than, than you are. He, he's impulsive. He's impetuous. He walks around with one foot in his mouth. The only reason he doesn't have both feet in his mouth is because he can't walk that way. He's, he's a disaster. And Jesus says, no, I, what I can do in you is going to lay a foundation for the church to go on. In an amazing way he affirms us he encourages us i hope today that you can see not your situation not even who you are i hope you can see who you are in christ and how he looks at you and says what i want to do with you and in you is amazing i'm going to take you from there and you're going to be you're not even going to even be able to identify yourself when i'm done and so mighty warrior I'm sending you, he says. I will be with you, and we'll strike down the Midianites together. Now, if you could hear those words from God, would that, would that be great? Not only are you a mighty warrior, I want you to know this. I'm sending you, I'm with you, and you're not going to fail. What would you try to do if you could hear those words from God? My hand is on you. I'm with you, and you're not going to fail. I sat in a preacher's conference 
pastor's conference a long time ago, 20-some years ago, and they kind of laid this scripture out, and I was challenged with that. If you could do anything in the world and know God's sending you, and God's going to be with you, and you're not going to fail, what would you do? For me, I didn't even have to think about it. I'd like to be the announcers at, announcer at Dodger Stadium. And God said, no, I'm not going to do that, but how about, how about planting a church? And I said, okay, if you send me and you go with me and we can't fail, I'm with you. Now, there are a lot of days that failure part <laughs> was hanging in the balance. But here's what it reminded me of. And as I sit here with all you, here's what I'm reminded of. It wasn't about me. It's about what God wanted to do with this church. It's about God's calling so that he could let you be reminded that you are not just a church, but if you could see yourself in the church, the eyes of God, to, to be the kind of church that God's calling you to be. What he wants to do here in you and through you is amazing. And what he wants to do in your marriage, in your community, in your school, in our nation, it's amazing. He, he wants to encourage you to see with eyes that he sees. There's, there was a uh, basketball player, a little-known guy back in the 90s, named Michael Jordan. And uh, he, uh, in the early 90s, against the Cleveland Cavaliers, went for 69 points. Now, granted, it was Cleveland, but 69 points. And afterwards, they're interviewing him. The locker room is full of reporters, and they got microphones and cameras all, and they're just going on 69 points. Over on the other side of the locker room, all by himself, nobody messing with him, was a guy named Stacy King who uh, made a free throw. He had one point. And no one was interviewing him. And finally, after all the hoopla, one of the reporters goes over and puts a microphone in Stacy's face and says, what do you think about today? Stacy goes, oh, man, I'll never, I'll never forget it. For the rest of my life, I'll remember this is the game that Michael Jordan and I scored 70 points. <laughs> you and God can do it. God plus you makes it a majority. If you can just see yourself like God sees you. And then, after the Lord answered the getting replies, I, I found favor with you, and now I'm going I'm to go get a sacrifice and bring it to you. And he prepares a young goat. And the ephah of flour, he makes some bread, and he has some gravy, some broth. And he, and he goes to give it to the angel of the Lord as a gift. And the angel says, it's a beautiful offering, it's a wonderful sacrifice. Put it on, the, on that rock there. And he sticks it on the rock, and the angel takes his staff and zaps the rock, flames fire out of the rock, and consume the meat, the bread, and the gravy. Consume it. I barbecue like that, actually. <laughs> but... It doesn't get consumed, it just gets burnt. He consumes it, and Gideon goes, oh, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said, peace, don't, don't be afraid, you're not going to die. Back in those days, if you see the Lord face to face, you're going to die. And so Gideon built an altar to the Lord, and there called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. Not only does God encourage us, God, God meets with us face to face. Here's my greatest worry about us as a church. Is as we continue to grow and as we, as we expand and, and all that, that 
that it all just becomes religion to us. It just becomes church. I, I go to church, check it off, see you again in a week or two, a month or two, whatever, just, just church. That's my, that's my greatest worry. Because I believe that God wants to meet you face to face. I believe God wants a relationship with you that's bigger and better than any kind of religion or church, any kind of service. He wants to see you and know you and have a relationship with you. And when that happens, everything changes. So that not only are you encouraged that God sees you in a big way, God meets with you and he reveals himself to you and, and all of a sudden things change. Here's Gideon, his world is caving in. There's chaos everywhere. There's enemy that's more than he can ever imagine that's descending upon him, devouring him. His resources are nowhere. He's hiding out in a wine press. He looks like Zirkel. He's got this big call on his life that's over his head. He can never do anything with it. And God comes and reveals himself to him, and he just goes, <sighs> Peace. God, you got this. I don't have it. You got it. It's yours. Peace. To fight all the external battles that we try to fight, it starts with an internal peace first. And that comes from a face-to-face -face encounter with the living God, the resurrected Christ. What I love about planting this church is that we had, some, we had some unbelievable God things happen that I think only happened in planting churches. Um, we sit on this property because it was a God thing. It was a miracle. We used to call it the miracle on 124th Street. We did not have the resources. We did not have the ability. We, didn't, we had Zirkel as our pastor. We had no way of doing this. And, and God, God did it. He did it. And, and when, we were, when we were dedicating this property, we had a service out here. It was all dirt, and we came out, and, and uh, I remember the message. Uh, it's similar to Lori and, and, uh, and Ryan were talking about last Sunday about an altar, building altars and stones and memories and stuff. And I pulled out a wheelbarrow of stones, and I started pulling them out, and, and I started talking about the, the God moments in our nine years of church at that time. And, and just identifying what God had done. I mean, things like a teenage girl who, who had a tumor. And they were going to have to do surgery. I guess do a, a hysterectomy on her in, as, a, as a teenager, as a high school student. And we prayed. The church prayed. She went to surgery, and they opened her up and found nothing. Nothing. Sewed her back up. She's healthy, alive. Going on. I mean, just to be on this property. And we went through that. I'd pull a stone out and we'd talk about it. And then I, I offered others to, to grab a rock and write something on it of, of God's stuff in their life or praise to God. And then we brought it when they were pouring the foundation of this church and we laid them right out here. They're, they're, they're under this concrete just scattered. And I, I think we're done building after this. I don't know if there's any more room. 
I, I love, I love this place. I love to see it happen. I mean, I just, it warms my heart. It's beyond, I mean, we, we plan for this expansion, but I, I, I got to tell you, I don't think I saw it. <laughs> it's going to be as is good. And, you know, you go into the children's area and the youth. I mean, I love that. Love it. But every now and again, I drive by this corner. And in my mind, I go to the foundation where there's God moment rocks that are in the very foundation of this building. Because I need to be reminded God did something spectacular in our lives. And when trials hit and things get tough and health issues come up and children and grandchildren issues come up and financial things, all that, I have to come back and just go, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shalom. I know what he did in the past. And I know what he can do now. And I can rest in that. I can see myself for what God sees me. And if I can, if I can have a, a live relationship with him, all of a sudden the Midianites are not nearly as threatening. And then, after that, he builds this altar. And that same night, the Lord says to, to Gideon, uh, take a second bowl from your father's herd, one at seven years old, and tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Put up a proper altar to the Lord your God. Gives him the stuff. He, he puts Gideon to the test. What I love about that, this is how Gideon answers it. Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. He just did as the Lord told him. I can't think of anything better to be said about your life or mine than that. She did as the Lord told her. He did as the Lord told him. God constantly throws these tests in front of us. Faith tests. Commitment tests. Obedience tests. Heart tests. Gideon, I'm going to do a miraculous thing for you. But before I do that, I just want to test are you, are you all in? Because in those days, every time there was a, another force, another nation coming in, not only were, was their survival in, in, in jeopardy, but more so, they would just infuse them with their pagan gods and idols and all their ways. And, 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 and Gideon, I just want to test you. Who's God? Remember those Ten Commandments I gave you? The first one was this, thou shalt have no other gods before you. Remember that, Gideon? I just want to... I wonder, is that true in your life? Because it doesn't seem to be true in the life of our nation at this time. Would you do something about it? Would you tear it down? It's a spiritual test that we all face. Oh, I, I mean, we don't have idols. You don't have little Baal idols and Asherah poles and that kind of But we have things that are constantly competing with God for first place. Oh, we're, I mean, we're, we're pretty clean with that. We, we believe in God. He's in our top five. And God says, ah, I've got to be number one. I'm not, number two sounds good. Number three, I want number one. And that spiritual test comes to you and to me all the time. 
who's really God? Who's number one? I mean, we, we have idols of success and finance and pleasure and people. and They're all good things. They just, if they creep into where God's supposed to be, it's an idol. It's a false god. And it's an emotional test. These, these idols were not built by the Midianites. These idols were built by the Israelites, God's people. This idol that he has to tear down is in his dad's backyard. His dad built it. Go tear it down. Sometimes it's, it's an emotional. If, if, if we're going to really follow God, sometimes it takes standing alone, standing up against maybe even our family, our traditions, the culture. Everyone has a bale in their backyard. What's the matter with you, Gideon? We've advanced since those days. No, I'm going I'm to ask you to make a stand that doesn't seem popular, maybe doesn't even make sense to the whole culture. Put me first. It was a physical test. They bring out a lynch mob when he does that. They're going to they're gonna hang him up. It's going to cost him his life. And for us to really stand for God, sometimes it costs us something. No, it, it always Will cost us something. It's a test. It's a test. What's interesting is when they're about to hang him up, they got this lynch mob around him. His dad comes and intervenes and saves him. His dad. The guy who had the idol in his backyard that his son came. His dad. Courage is always contagious. And his dad's saying, whoa. Whoa. The God... That Gideon is talking about a lot bigger than the God, this Baal thing. Let's go with him. He passes the test, and one other thing happens. The most important thing in verse 34, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. He empowered Gideon. After the test, the power comes. Please don't get that backwards. After he passed the test, the power comes. Jesus was led into the wilderness in Luke 4. Led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days. The Spirit led him into that. And after he passed the test, it says he came out of there. He left that empowered by the Spirit of God. Passed the test. The power comes. God says, I'll fill you up. I'll fill your heart my spirit in fact it says this literally says the spirit clothed himself with Gideon I'll do that if I know I've got your heart but if if you're only half-hearted I can't work with that it fills him with his spirit and then he goes he gets a trumpet and he starts blowing the trumpet and he starts calling forth from the people that have gathered in, in the area to come fight the Midianites 135,000 Midianites out there devouring the place like locusts. Let's fight the Midianites. He blows the trumpet and they start to come by the thousands circling around him, ready for battle. 32,000 people gather around. Here's this little guy that was in the wine press hiding and now he's blowing the trumpet and 32,000 people say, we'll die for this cause. Let's go. 
Only one problem. There's 135,000 Midianites. 32,000 sounds pretty good. 135,000, that's four to one. That's not good odds. God, um, you notice anything here? Yeah, God said, yeah, we got, we got a numbers problem. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't know if I was counting wrong or what. No, no. We don't have too, too few. We have too many. We're going to have to thin it out a little bit. Just go to the people and say, hey, if you're, uh, <laughs> if you're frightened, you're free to go. Only 22,000 left. <laughs> 10,000 of them there. What do you think now, God? Yeah, it doesn't look good. Thank you. What I would say is uh, take them down to the, to the river, and if they lay on their bellies to drink rather than on their knees to lap, send them on home. 9,700 of them laying on their bellies. Got 300 left. 300. It's like, God, what are you going to do now? It's like, here's, here's what I want to say, God. Go and thin no more. <laughs> let's, let's, enough is, let's just stay with the 300 here, if you don't mind, please. God says, this is perfect. But if I were, you know, getting here, let me give you some advice. Um, maybe this would be a good time to discover, like, nuclear energy. This would be a good time for a bomb because now it's 450 to 1. God says, I've got, got some weapons for you and some strategy for you. This is going to be great. Here, give, the, give this to everybody. A clay pot, a torch, and a bugle. Go get them. Go get them. Can you imagine what people were... He, can you imagine what his board was thinking? Here, we're going to go take on the... Uh, here's my strategy. I came up with a strategy plan. A torch and clay pots. They circle around this valley. All the Midianites, 135,000 of them had gathered in these tents, camping, real tents, no RVs, no cabins. Man camp at its best. They circle around him, light the torch, put the clay pot on and Gideon says, when I'd say, blow the bugle, yell at the top of your lungs, for the Lord and for Gideon. And in the middle of the night, they do just that. Without raising a weapon, without attacking, without doing anything other than just what the Lord called. The Midianites see the torches, hear the sounds, hear the, the blowing of the horn and the yelling of, the, of these voices, and they, they get so confused, they turn on themselves and attack themselves. And it's one of the greatest victories in the history of the Israelite nation, right there in God's great miraculous way. He takes, he takes he, um, Gideon, he makes him the leader of the nation, and they, they continue on for a while until they go into this cycle again. But they do in that time completely what, beyond whatever you could imagine with uh, life so what about you I'd like for you to be able to catch a vision of, of what God wants to do 
in you and with you and through you. I'd like you to be able to, to have a real, surreal relationship with him. But here's what I'd like you to do. Are you all in? What's competing with God in your life? What's blocking it? God wants to clothe himself with you. He wants to fill you with his spirit. So that the Midianites are disintegrated in your life. God wants to do that. He knows your struggle. He knows your pain. He knows what you're going through. He knows the discouragement. He knows that. Worship team is going to come again and sing a song. And as they do, I'd like to just lead you in a word of prayer. And maybe it's just a time of surrender. Lord, maybe as you look deep into our souls today, you would, you would help us just to catch a vision of, of who we are in you. That we can be so much more than what we are. And that you would even call some of us to be Gideons. To lead the charge against, against the forces of evil. To, to expand the kingdom. To, to break forth and to, to make a difference in this world. For some of us, you would just make yourself so real and alive. That all our issues that we're dealing with would just melt. Lord, for some of us, we're just tired. We're fatigued. We've been trying to do it on our own, in our own power. I just pray that your spirit would come upon us in a fresh way, that you'd fill our hearts, fill our souls, give us hope, give us strength that's beyond ours. Though we're weak, you're strong. Make yourself strong in us as people and as a church. In Jesus' name, amen.